We are going to wrap up our series in the book of Acts. Uh, we finished all of chapter 6, we finished all of chapter 7, and we're going to finish up Acts chapter 8 today. I've entitled the message, Get Up and Go. Uh, opening verse is in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, But an angel of the Lord said to Philip, read that red part underlined out loud with me, Get up and go. One more time. Get up and go. South down to the road, which runs from Jerusalem to Gaza, out in the desert. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this divine heavenly message that came to your servant Philip here in Acts chapter 8. I thank you that it is a message for each of us today, those that are watching live video streaming or in our chapel venue. The message of heaven is it's time to get up and go, to go in the direction that you have for us, God. And I thank you for the truths that we're going to learn from this teaching this morning. Now, Lord, may my words fall on deaf ears, but may your word find a home in each and every heart, in each and every life. And thank you that, Lord, will not only ingest but digest the word of God, that we will apply it to our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are now here to minister life through the teaching of the Holy Scriptures. We thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. A couple of weeks ago, we loaded up our, one of our buses and we chartered another bus to take our kids to Desperation Camp in Colorado Springs. And it was an incredible experience for all the young people that were part of this, this camp. But it never fails. A bus can work all year long, but as soon as you fill it with Christian kids to go on a spiritual adventure, it's bound to break. It's bound to have some problems. Thank God the bus got our kids to Colorado Springs, but we had to rent another, a charter another bus to get them back home. And here's the funny thing about buses, our buses and our vans, is we use them throughout the entire school year. They're constantly being used, and we, we maintenance them regularly. And even during the summer, when there's not a lot of school activity, we start the buses up and we'll drive them around the loop because here's what we've learned. You can't let a bus sit for an extended period of time in a parking lot because it will begin to decay. You know, your life and my life is a lot like that. We cannot just spiritually be in park. We cannot simply be spiritually in neutral. We cannot be idle. As the messenger from heaven, the angel told Philip, get up and go, that's the message for our life. We need to get up and we need to stay going for Jesus. And not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. Now, I was thinking about the word go. The word go itself, it's an interesting word. Uh, it's a word that I found myself using for many years as a, as a husband and as a father. There were two particular phrases I think all men get used to using, and their wives and kids get used to them using them. Uh, the first phrase is, let's go. Let's go. Whether it's time for church, let's go. Whether it's getting the kids ready for school, let's go. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, a man will say that in his lifetime. Let's go. Let's say it together. Let's go, right? And then the other phrase that men will, will use and sometimes overuse is, where do you want to go? It's after church. Let's go eat. Your wife says, let's go eat. You say, let's go eat. Or your girlfriend or boyfriend say, let's go eat. Like, okay, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? <laughs> Wherever you want to go. And so you mentioned, let's go here. No, I don't want to go there. Okay, that's why I started by asking you, where do you want to go? Because usually it's not where I want to go, it's ultimately where you want to go, right? 
And the word go is such an important word, it's used 1,492 times in the authorized version of the Holy Bible. That's a lot of goes in the Bible. The word go is used in some of the most important words spoken by Jesus after his resurrection. He looked at his disciples and basically said, let's go. He looked at his disciples and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And here's what's interesting about the word go. It implies movement of all sorts. Physical movement, yes. Mental movement, spiritual movement, and emotional movement. So I looked up the word go in some of my Greek uh, word study dictionary books that I have in my library, and uh, here's what I came across. It has a twofold meaning. The word go has a twofold meaning. It speaks of the believer's heart, and it speaks of breaking up to loosen, as in breaking camp and loosening the ropes of the tent. It's a picture of breaking loose, packing up, and moving on to a new location. So now it's time for Nathan to get up and go. We really don't want him to go, but it's time for him to go. And so as he prepares to go and start this new season of his life, he's going to have to pack things up. And I asked him yesterday, by the way, Thursday's the deadline. That's when we leave. When are you going to start packing? I got plans for his room. And he kind of gave me this look like, mom's going to do that for me, right? And mom's like, "Mm mm-mm. So that's what the word go means. There are times that we need to pack up and go. Uh, There will be many new students. Maybe you're a new student to the Lubbock area. You just moved here. Because basically it's like in your life the season of get up and go. And you're you're here to go to LCU or Texas Tech or Wayland or wherever. There are times in our life that we have to get up and go. That's what this word means. It also means to loosen the moorings of a ship, to weigh anchor, set sail for another port. Go. Go. It also speaks of what will happen to every believer if, if Jesus tarries and we die. The apostle Peter said, I must lay down this, my tabernacle, my tent. One day he'll have to, he said, I'm going to fold up this, this tent of mine, this earthly physical body. It can't go to heaven yet. So it stays behind as your spirit and soul will go to heaven. So it's a spiritual word, and it means a lot. And so in this story of, of Philip now coming to minister to this Ethiopian eunuch, which we're going we're gonna to be introduced to here, here in just a moment, here's basically, basically the outline as I saw it of this, the, the final story here in Acts chapter 8. We're to go, we're to gather, and we're to grow, and we're to be glad. As we go, we're to gather, As we gather, we're to grow, and as we grow, we can be glad. So let's pick up once again verse 26 of Acts 6. It says, But the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go south down the road, which runs from Jerusalem to Gaza, out in the desert. And when God told Philip through the angel to go, to get up and go, he didn't say no. When God said, Get up and go, he responded immediately with obedience. He didn't make excuses. There were some individuals in the Gospels that Jesus said, come follow me, and they all had excuses why they couldn't follow him at that particular moment in time. Uh, One guy said, I just bought some land. I got to go check it out. Uh, Another guy said, I just bought some some animals, some cattle, and I got to go tend to them. Uh, Another guy said, I just got married, and, and, and I can't do it right now. And then there was one guy, when Jesus said, follow me, he said, well, let me go first bury my, my, my father. He died. And Jesus said, let the, bed, the dead bury the dead. What's that to me? Follow me. 
So when God says go, it's time to go. And the church, unless if we don't want to experience spiritual decay, we have to be on the go. I don't mean from church to church. I mean spiritually as a church. We have to be on the road that God's called, on that journey, on the road of life. And we are to go and represent Christ wherever we go. And as we go, we're to gather. We're to gather. We're not to go it alone. The story picks up now in verse 27. And it says, so he did. That's what I love about Philip. As soon as the angel of the Lord, God's message for him was, get up and go. The next verse, the first three words, it says, so he did. Without hesitation, without delay, without excuses. Not like Jonah. When God said, go to Nineveh, he went in the opposite direction. No, Philip obeyed. So he did. And who should be coming down the road but the treasurer of Ethiopia? And now, the way this is read in the, in the Greek, it's a serendipitous moment. Philip didn't know why he was going to go south down this road, but God did. And at the exact moment he was going down this road, guess who just happened to be traveling down that same road? This Ethiopian eunuch, this treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, a man of great intelligence, a man of great power and great influence who was from Africa, under the authority, under the, the rulership of Candace the queen, he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, we don't know much about this Ethiopian eunuch, uh, but what we do know, he's from Ethiopia. He was dark-skinned. He was from Africa. Uh, he was a eunuch. No fun being a eunuch in those days. Uh, and he went to Jerusalem to do what? To worship. I like this guy. I like this guy. He took the time and the effort and the money and the cost and the expense to travel all the way to Jerusalem for a special Jewish feast to worship God. So he was a man that feared God. He was a man that worshiped God, although his worship of God was incomplete. You know, there are a lot of good people in our world. They fear God. They worship God. But their worship of God is incomplete because our worship of God is not complete until we know Jesus, God's only begotten son. And this man, this Ethiopian eunuch, is about to meet Jesus, the king of glory. So it continues. And was now returning in his chariot, reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, it was a custom in the East when you read sacred books to read out loud. And there's like a divine secret here. Reading scripture is so important, but you can take your, your Bible experience to a whole nother level if as you read the Bible, you read it out loud. To where you're not only reading it, but you're hearing it. And the Bible says that faith comes, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as he was returning in this chariot, he's reading aloud from the book uh, of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the chariot. Philip ran over. And he heard what he was reading, because he was reading out loud, and he asked a very important question. Do you understand it? So God's word to Philip was, get up and go. So we're to go. And as we go, we're to gather. 
You see, we all have a road, like this Ethiopian eunuch, we all have a road we're assigned to. We all have a road that we're traveling down. And as we travel down this road, whatever that road may be for you today, whatever that road may be for me, all of our roads are somewhat similar. It's a road that God has us on, hopefully, that we're on the right path. And as we travel down this road, like this Ethiopian eunuch traveling down this road, we need to do it with others. Life is meant to be lived with others, to be in relationship with others. We need others. You know, there are some people who don't go through life and gather. They go through life and they, they scatter. I hope that you and I are those who go through life and we, we gather. We're always trying to bring people together, to bring people together around, around Christ, around Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the, the children of God or the sons of God. As, as a Christian, all of us should be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. There's a world of difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. We're called to be peacemakers. What does that mean? That means that in all of our families, we have fractured relationships, splintered relationships. Family members who are hurt, or family members who are offended, or family members that haven't talked to another family member for months or years or even decades. And as a Christian, we're a gatherer. And we want to bring people together. We can't force people to come together. The Bible says, pursue holiness, for without which no man shall see the Lord. And be at peace with, as, as much as is in you, be at peace with all men. So that to the best of your ability, be a peacemaker. To the best of your ability, be at peace with, all, with everyone. And as a peacemaker, there will be times you'll call people together, to gather them together. And you'll say, hey, this holiday season, you know, we're going we're gonna to be having a family get-together. We'd love for you to be there. You may not want to come, but we'd love for you to come. Well, is so-and-so going to be there? Yes, we've invited them. Well, if they're there, I don't want to show up. That's okay. But we just want you to know, you're welcome. You're always welcome. They may not show up, but the day may come when they will show up. Why? Because we have to go through life and not go through life alone. We have to go through life with others, and we need to be a person that gathers and not scatters. And all the people said, amen. Now listen, we all have a journey and we all have a particular chariot we've been called, like Philip, to, to overtake. One translation says, overtake the chariot. We all have a chariot we've been called to. See, maybe your chariot that God's called you to, like Philip was called to this chariot, maybe the chariot he's called you to is that classroom where you're a teacher. Maybe the chariot that God's called you to is some department at a hospital. Maybe God has, the chariot that God's called you to is that truck you drive. Maybe the chariot that God's called you to is that police cruiser. Maybe the chariot that God's called you to is the boardroom somewhere, to be an influence, to be a light for Christ. Maybe the chariot that God's called you to is an office somewhere. We all have a chariot that God's called us to. Maybe the chariot that God's called you to is a political office. You know, we had a couple of members in our church most recently that ran for political office, and I appreciate their courage and that they followed their heart and the leading of God, and they, 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 they sacrificed and they, they gave their all, and, and they fell up short. I think, of, I think of Greg Garrett, and he ran for District 19 congressman, and he gave his all, and he represented the Lord and his family and his business and this church in, a, in an amazing way, and I, and I salute him, and I appreciate that when you feel a sense or a leading of God to do something, that you act on it. The results aren't up to you. The results are up to God. As long as you do what God's called you to do, and you do it with integrity, and you do it with all your heart, 
How many know you're a success? That's the definition of success right there, amen? I think of Frank Gutierrez, one of our other members in our church that ran for city council, District 1. He came up a little bit short. But he did what he felt God was calling him to do, and you give your all, you give your best, and you leave the results up to God. But here's what I've learned. If God's called you to run for political office in the future, and I hope he does, I hope he does. We need good people, godly people, Christian people in public service, amen. But if God does, if God does call you to public office, just don't have me pray for you because I'm over to you right now, okay. <laughs> but as we go, we want to gather, not scatter. And as we go, we have to do it together. Look what Hebrews 10.25 says. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Everybody say together. As is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Jesus Christ, the day of judgment. As you see that day approaching, we need to continue to assemble. We need to continue to come together. Life's not meant to be, to be lived alone. Maybe you don't have the love and support of your immediate family or extended family. I'm sorry. I wish you did. I wish everybody did. I wish everybody could experience that kind of love. But I'll tell you what. God still sets the solitary or the single in family, the book of Isaiah says. And aren't you thankful that you have a spiritual family? You have a family right here at Trinity Church. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? And we can do life together. Because as we go, we gather. As we go, we bring others in. It's about bringing others in. Now, thank God for live video streaming. And those that are watching right now, several hundred people every weekend tune in. Thank God that if you miss a service, you can jump online and you can, you can listen to it or you can watch it. And as good as that is, it's only to supplement your spiritual experience with Christ. It should never take the place. Why? Because nothing could take the place of you and I being in the house of God together with one another, worshiping God live on a Sunday morning or a, or a Saturday night. I appreciate technology, and we utilize technology. I appreciate that we have the, the chapel venue, you know, as a, not as an overflow, not as an overflow, as its own separate experience. Some people like a smaller venue, or, you know, some people show up late, and they can just they can go, whatever, however you choose to use it, amen. No judgment. But, I, you know, and thank God that we can pipe the message in there. But the comforting thing to me would be if I was in the chapel venue, I know there is a real, live, breathing pastor about, you know, 100 yards from where I'm at. I just, I just don't know about being a part of, of, a, of a spiritual service and experience where everything is done on video and nobody's actually there. You know what I'm talking about? As we go, we want to gather and we want to be with others, and we want to be together. We don't want to be alone. But as we go and as we gather, we have to grow. We have to grow. Life is about growth. Life is about not being in the same place this weekend as you were last weekend, or this year as you were last year. That we should all make measurable progress over a reasonable amount of time. That God expects there to be fruit and growth in our lives. So as we go and as we gather, God wants us to grow. So Philip, he joins himself to this chariot, and he hears, because that was the custom to read out loud, he hears this very wealthy, very powerful, influential treasurer of Ethiopia. He was a CPA, by the way, <laughs> under Candace the queen. And he's reading, and, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? 
Hey, how many know it's okay if you, if you read the Bible and you don't understand it? It's okay. When I first started reading the Bible, I hardly understood anything. But what I needed to understand, the Spirit of God did reveal it to me. It's okay if you don't understand. You see, my chariot that I'm called to is this called Trinity Church. To join myself to this chariot, why? To help you understand God's Word. To help instruct you in God's Word. That's my calling. That's my passion. That's my gifting. That's what God has anointed me to do with my life. And so Philip asked this guy, do you understand what you're reading? Because God wants us to understand it. And here's how he responds in verse 31. Of course not. I love his honesty. I mean, I mean how many know you've read parts of the Bible like, I don't know what was just said. Especially if you read out of the old, old school, authorized King James version of the Bible. It's like, what? Is that even in English? <laughs> right? So this guy didn't understand it. How can I when there's no one to instruct me? This word means no one to guide me. We all need spiritual guides in life. And he begged Philip to come up in the chariot and sit with him. I mean, no, it's in the desert. It's hot. This chariot is basically like a limousine today. And this influential, powerful Ethiopian eunuch, treasurer under Candace the queen, says to Philip, Come up in my chariot. I mean, no, Philip's like, I love this assignment. Thank you, Jesus. He gets in that chariot. It was probably air-conditioned, however they air-conditioned chariots back then, because it was a modern, what would be a modern-day limousine today. And he's like, whoa, this is nice. I could get used to this. And they're traveling down the road. I'm sure an attendant inside of that chariot offered Philip a fresh, squeezed glass of lemonade. He's like, yes, thank you. And he begins to share with this Ethiopian eunuch the things that he was reading. So, then, so as we go, we have to grow. And the only way we can grow is if we spend time in God's word. Amen. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I really like this Ethiopian eunuch. He's such a contrast from Simon the sorcerer that we learned about last week and the week before. Simon from Samaria, who had bewitched the Samaritans. What's the difference between Simon and the Ethiopian? Simon, according to Scripture, got saved and baptized, but had a lot of purging that he had to go through. The difference between Simon in Acts 8 and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8 is this. Simon was after power. This Ethiopian eunuch was after truth. I hope your life, my life, isn't defined by striving after power as Simon did and and he erred because of that. But like this Ethiopian eunuch who already had great authority and power, he wasn't after power. He was after truth. I hope that what defines your life and your, your journey in life is that you and I are after truth. And the only place we can find truth is in God's Word. God's Word. There's no other book like this book. It is the most incredible, amazing book in all of the world because it is of supernatural origins, the Bible. It is a spiritual book, divinely inspired of God. And I, of all people, know firsthand the power of reading God's Word. I was 17 years of age. My sister had become a Christian. She came over to my apartment one day as a young man in junior high. And she said, Carl, I bought you a gift. And she, she opened up this, this gift. And I opened up this gift, and it was a Bible, a beautiful Bible. It had a cover on it, had my name engraved on it. 
and, and had Bible tabs to let you know which book of the Bible was where. And she said, Carl, I give this to you as a gift, but I just want to ask you one thing. Uh, and I was, I was dead and undone in sin. I was a heathen, lost in sin. I said, well, what's that? She goes, promise me you'll read it. And I said, I will. I will. And I began to go through some difficult times in my life. And at nighttime, I would begin to, on my own, begin to just read Scripture. A lot of it I didn't understand. A lot of it scared me to death. But then as I read, I began to understand a little bit more. And as I read more, I was introduced to Jesus in the Bible. And as I continued to read about the life of Jesus, I fell in love with him. And I surrendered my life to him. And he visited me on January 1st, 1980, when I surrendered my life to Christ and confessed him as my Lord and Savior. I know firsthand the power of reading God's Word. Oh, and I want to encourage every young person, spend time reading God's Word. So much time is wasted in social media. So much time is wasted playing these, these silly games. I was on an elders retreat this past week, and I was on my flight, and there were grown adult people playing uh, uh, Angry Birds. I called them Dirty Birds last, uh, last service, and <laughs> I don't know a lot about these games. <laughs> so, and I'm like, are you, you know, I guess a little downtime's okay. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. What I love about this Ethiopian eunuch, he had just come from Jerusalem. He had just come from worshiping, but he couldn't get enough of it. While he's riding in his plush chariot, he's got the book of Isaiah open, and he's reading out loud the book of Isaiah. That's the kind of man I like. But the difference that God wants to make in your life can only come through the reading of God's Word. And as we read God's Word, we need to do it intelligently. Intelligently. Enjoy the journey, not just the destination, but enjoy, and, 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 and as you read it, and do it intelligently. Do it prayerfully. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I don't understand, or Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me through this story or through this particular verse? Do it intelligently. Do it prayerfully. Do it thoughtfully. You know, undigested food can be poison for the body. So not only do we need to ingest God's Word, because it's the spiritual bread of life, but we need to digest it. We need to apply it to our lives. Ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this verse? And so that leads us to the next thing we need to do as we read God's word. We need to make it personal. We need to personalize God's word. Apply the promises of God to your life. These stories are written for our example, for our encouragement, for our inspiration. See yourself in that story and apply the promises of God to you. Many times what we do is we apply the promises to us and we apply the warnings and the judgments to our neighbors or to our boss. Or to that coworker, yes, break their teeth, Lord, break their arms. I'm reading through Psalms right now, and uh, there are these like judgment Psalms that David's praying. I'm like, yeah, I could think of some people I'd like you to be my hit, personal hitman, God. Yeah, Amen. No, no, we want to apply it on a personal level to our own lives, and then finally, as we read God's word, we're to do it spiritually, because it's a spiritual book. We're to ask the Holy Spirit and the breath of heaven, the wind of heaven, the wind of the Spirit to blow through us, to bring understanding and illumination to our hearts and, and to our minds. Because you see, we're all like this Ethiopian unit. We're all on a journey. And what fuels that journey? What helps us reach the destination of that journey that we're on? God's Word and making God's word a priority in our life. We need to go, and as we go, we need to gather, and as we gather, we need to grow, and as we grow, we need to be glad.
We need to be glad. It's amazing how the story ends. Go to verse 32 now of Acts 8. The passage of Scripture that this Ethiopian eunuch had been reading from was this. And he's quoting now. The New Testament is quoting from the Old Testament. How interesting is that? And they're quoting from Isaiah 53 because that's the, that's the book he was reading out of. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shears, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who can express the wickedness of the people of his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So Philip began with this same scripture and then used many others to tell him about, what's that name? I can't hear you. One more time. Jesus. Jesus. Isn't it amazing to know the entirety of God's word is about God's only begotten son, Jesus the Messiah, the Savior of the world. All of scripture points to Jesus. And it's all about Jesus. If your religious experience isn't all about Jesus, You need to jump off that chariot. You're on the wrong road in the wrong chariot. You need to get on the right road and in the right chariot because the chariot that God wants you and I to be a part of is the chariot that leads us down the road of life, that leads us to glory, that leads us to heaven so we can see Jesus face to face. It's all about Jesus. Your life, my life should be all about Jesus. I'm sorry if that offends some, but it should. Our families, our marriages should be all about Jesus. Our churches, Lord help us, should be all about Jesus. Because all of Scripture is about him. He is found in every book of the Bible. He's mentioned. He's seen. And here's what Jesus himself said in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 39. Jesus said, you search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the Scriptures point to me. All of Scripture points to Jesus. So here's how the story ends. Verse 36 now back to Acts 8, verse 36. As they rode along, they came to a small body of water and the eunuch said, look, water! That tells us he was from West Texas too. (laughs) Before he made his way to Africa. Look, water! I can't believe it. There's actually water. Yeah, yeah. Why can't I be baptized? Philip did such an amazing job preaching Jesus through all Old Testament scriptures that this guy was so convinced at what he had heard, the biblical truth, that when he saw water, he said, there's water, can I be baptized? And here's how Philip responds. You can, you can, if, if, I believe there's 1,532 ifs also in the Bible, if you believe with all your heart. What happens when you believe with all your heart? Salvation. And the eunuch replied, let's say this out loud together, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So verse 38, he stopped the chariot, he stopped the chariot, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Oh, isn't that cool? He got baptized in water, all the way under. All his expensive clothes, whatever, he came up sopping wet. 
You see, we always say, right, the first step in your spiritual journey is to surrender your life to Christ. The next step is water baptism. That's how we make a public profession of our faith in Christ. Philip did such a wonderful job explaining the gospel message that this Ethiopian eunuch gave his life to Jesus, believed with all his heart, confessed with his mouth. Now he made a public profession of that faith by being water baptized in verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, follow me now, I'm going to go real fast. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. The Greek word, I believe it's pronounced harpazeo. This is the same Greek word that's used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning verse 13. It says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Verse 18. This is talking about the rapture of the church. This is a pre-rapture uh, an episode that points to the ultimate rapture of the church. No sooner did Philip get done preaching to this Ethiopian eunuch, baptizing him in water, that the Spirit of God literally, supernaturally caught him away and transported him someplace else. How cool is that? You know, this past uh, week, we went, on, we went on an elders retreat with our elders. It was a time of, of prayer and team building and relationship building. And we happened to go to Park City, Utah. We, we were in Mormon country. Utah. You know, Utah's a beautiful state. And I mean, Mormons are beautiful people. And they, they have good families. But, but Mormons, their worship of God is incomplete. You know why? Because they don't believe in Jesus. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor Carl, they do. No, no, they're not, not the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, not the Jesus of the Bible. They believe in a Jesus, but not the Jesus. You're like, I can't believe that. No, check it out for yourself. I went to their website. And they believe, they say they're Christians, but they're not. And so I got into the chat room with one of the elders of the Mormon church. I said, hello, I'm interested in, in, you know, coming to know God. And so tell me who, they didn't know who I was. Tell me who Jesus is. And they said, he's the son of God. I said, okay, uh, so is he the creator of all things? And they got back to me, no, 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 no. He was created by the Father. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that Jesus has always existed as the second member of the divine holy trinity. And then the Mormons also believe that, that, that Jesus was the brother of Lucifer. You're like, well, that's some heavy-duty stuff. I didn't know I was going to come to church and learn about that. That's what they believe. So they believe in Jesus, but not the Jesus of the Bible. And all the Bible points to Jesus. And if you want to get to heaven one day, you need, to, you need to make sure that you're believing in the right Jesus, the Jesus of this holy book. And he is God's son, only begotten son. He's the eternal son of God. He's the savior of the world. But while we were there, it was a beautiful place. It's a beautiful state. And we had a wonderful time. Uh, we were flying back. And Southwest had a glitch in their computers. So we were stuck in Salt Lake City. Because uh, we couldn't get on a Southwest flight. And our connecting flight was in Las Vegas, Nevada. And so we finally got out of Salt Lake. And we made it to Las Vegas, Nevada. And we were just hoping that our next flight wasn't going to be delayed or canceled. Because you don't want to be a pastor with your elders stuck in Las Vegas, Nevada. That's just not good. Whole lot of sin going on out there. You know what I'm talking about? Whole lot of sin going on in the airport. And I was afraid that as I was stranded in Las Vegas, Nevada, that I would run into one of our church members. And you all would say, hey, look, Pastor Carl. And I was ready to answer you. I was ready to hear you say, what are you doing here? And I was going to say, I'm stranded here. What are you doing here? <laughs> and as I was stranded... In the airport, I was, I was working on my message. 
and uh, fine-tuning it. And I thought, God, you transported Philip from one place to another. Okay, here we go. Ready, set, go. Take me back to Lubbock. I got to preach this weekend. If you don't take the other elders with me, I know they're backslidden. Let's do it. Ah, uh, then my flight was uh, opened, and I, I, I did it the traditional way. Amen. <laughs> but this is what happened to Philip. He was taken, and it says the Ethiopian eunuch, look at this, went on his, okay, so he got caught away, and the eunuch never saw him again, which is not important because he had Jesus now. But the eunuch went on his way. What's that word? He went on his way what? And one more, one more verse of scripture, because I've missed this verse of scripture in every service today except for this one. With the very last verse. There's one more verse, right? There it is. You are blessed. I've missed this. This is the last verse in Acts 8, and I missed it in every service. I want to make sure I get it in here. <laughs> Meanwhile, Philip found himself at Az Azots, because he was transported, right? And he preached the good news there and in every city along the way as he traveled to Caesarea. Now, how did the eunuch leave? The eunuch left this moment. How? Rejoicing. You got you to gotta go. You got to gather. You got to grow. And you have to be glad. The evidence that you've met Jesus on your road and you're traveling in the right chariot is that you'll go your way rejoicing. So many people go their way moaning and groaning and complaining. So many people go their way and they do everything but rejoice. The reality that you've met Jesus on your road, on your journey, is that you go your way. Rejoice. Now listen, hang with me. We're going to go in just a little bit over time. You're going to be okay, I promise. Now listen, listen. Our house that we live in, our house faces the north. And so I've got grass in my backyard, my front yard, on both sides of my house. My grass grows everywhere except on the east side of my house, between my house and my neighbor, there's a, there's a, a swath of, of a plot of ground there, and my grass can't grow there. You know why my grass can't grow there? Because no sunlight ever hits it. No matter what I do, it's parched dirt. It's like dark side of the moon. Why? Sunlight never hits it. What happens to those who never live in the sunlight of God's joy and God's power and God's presence? They live on dark shadow street. How many know somebody lives on dark shadow street? They're always complaining about something. And whenever they open their mouth, they're always talking negatively about somebody else or something else. If every time you open up your mouth, you're talking down or negative about somebody else, my friend, you need to move to Sunshine Street. Because you know those that live on Sunshine Street, the sunlight of God's presence shines down upon them and they are growing. And as they grow, they're glad in his presence. And they speak words of joy and peace over their own life and the life of others. They've always got something positive and something good to say. Why? Because they've moved out of dark shadow street. And now they're living on sunshine street. And now they're singing the praises of God. They go their way rejoicing because they've met the king of glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we humbly come before you today. We thank you that we all have a chariot we've been assigned to. We all have a destination. So as we go, we want to gather, and as we gather, we want to grow through the reading and studying of Scripture. We want to all end this journey with Jesus, and we want to go rejoicing. And I pray that, Lord, that people that have been on Dark Shadow Street would 
changed residence. It's time to get up and go. Move to Sunshine Street. And I thank you for the, the light of heaven shining upon them in this moment, Lord. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can know his love, his grace, and forgiveness. Right here, right now, open up your heart, even as this Ethiopian eunuch did. Pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my father, and I'm your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life, beginning today for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we thank the Lord together, church family?